0: Welcome to another episode of There is a System to this Madness. My name is Osaze Shabazz. I'm your host. Today is April 16th, 2020. Needless to say, we're still in the coronavirus epidemic. And pretty much since the last episode, there have been some new revelations that I want to address in today's episode also just some things that i've been curious about to see certain trends certain patterns come about during this time one of the first things i want to talk about is profits businesses businesses that are making a profit since this pandemic has hit the country particularly Um, focusing on the U.S. economy, but even just throughout the world. More or less, I guess, a lot of people make the assumption that without a doubt, grocery stores, they're pretty much doing pretty well, but certain businesses throughout the country, just out of curiosity, what businesses do you believe in your area is making substantial amounts of profits since this situation has taken place. I looked up some businesses, and of course, there are some that are no-brainers. And then there are some that just make me think, hmm, I never would have guessed that. So with this top five, starting at number five, the company called JM Smuckers, which of course you recognize the name. Smucker's Jelly and whatnot, But I did not realize that they also own. A number of other companies. According to their stats. Jif peanut butter. Is one of the top staple crops. I guess. Flying off the grocery stores. Which I guess being an ex-Marine. Peanut butter was one of our most valuable commodities because that clogging ability that it has not to gross anybody out but pretty much that's what we utilize peanut butter for so i don't know if that's what people are doing or hopefully they just eating it because it's simple it's old-fashioned and the shelf life lasts forever i don't know the last time anybody can ever recall that peanut butter went bad if you buy a jar of peanut butter today the expiration date probably is 10 years from now but also along with other items that this company owned I never realized that they own Folgers Coffee which of course I can imagine that would be flying off grocery store shelves along with Dunkin Donut brand coffee again stuff that just is not surprising where at the same time it just when you go in a grocery store you're thinking well i see this item and that item empty like you know for me you know eggs um it's amazing i don't think i've ever seen milk empty uh cheeses bacon for some reason these stay plentiful on the shells never really paid attention to the peanut butter because like it lasts forever so it's not on my grocery list however as a coffee drinker i do i do stay stocked up on coffee however i can't say that i've really seen the shells barren over any type of um coffee but nevertheless this is number five number four is a company and i'm making sure i'm pronouncing it right citrix Citric is a company that gives you information on how to really work from home. They work with large companies to help set up home offices, satellite, remote locations for company employees. So without a doubt, this this is definitely a no brainer. I'm surprised they're number four. And also things like Zoom, which is taking off big time, which, you know, I've also felt that something like what we're experiencing in the workplace is not going to go away. I think this is going to be a new, this is going to be a new trend. In fact, I want to discuss that later on in this podcast. Third, not surprising, Clorox. Clorox is, as a friend of mine once said, is one of those recession-proof companies. Clorox is going to wither the storm through any adversity, any situation. And I'm sure Clorox products, which (laughs) for a fact, they're flying off the shelves. Wipes, Clorox bleach, not to mention a lot of people don't realize Clorox owns almost everything glad trash bags kings kingsford barbecue charcoal uh burt bees clorox owns several hundred things that you probably do not realize is owned by the clorox company so pretty much you know like i said i know a person that worked there and i'm sure they have lifetime job security at this place number two amazon of course you know (laughs) amazon uh, that could probably be a recession proof type of company no matter what with their delivery still on time the only thing i noticed with my amazon account because i'm a prime member i don't get the guaranteed two-day shipping however it's more like guaranteed five-day shipping but the thing is when you can't find it in the store, most items I should say, of course, you know, toilet paper, sanitizer and all that type of stuff is still you know, they it's barren in the store, so I'm sure it's barren in the Amazon websites. But either way, pretty much I still rely heavily on Amazon for basic household products and just basic general needs. Number one not surprising Netflix I pretty much am a Netflix fan Uh, never could ever watch everything on Netflix I used to have a watch list and most of the shows were centered around Netflix Uh, so with situation that we're going through I'm sure Netflix is probably the number one choice in fact I would like to know what are the top streaming services right now that you know people are watching i'm surprised something like a comcast or i guess streaming service providers i'm surprised none of them are not in this list i mean it no only makes sense netflix would be the number one but just maybe extend the list maybe Next podcast, we'll do a top 10 or look at the top streaming services. And also another, I guess, honorable mention company. There's a company called Regeneron. Supposedly that this company is a facility that develops antibody drugs that is supposed to boost your immune immune system. This was used in helping the situation when there, um, when Ebola was out. There was, um, when the illness M E R S MERS was out. Pretty much, um, they haven't received any rank, but it's believed that if you have the opportunity to invest in these companies particularly this company, you should and take advantage of that situation. Um, next subject I want to talk about is the, and I know I'm kind of late with this, is how the epidemic is affecting the African-American community. What caught a lot of people with this, because when this first came out, you know in the black community we were kind of saying to ourselves oh we're not seeing our faces on the tv screen it's like you know it's just you know you hate to say it it was like this is a white thing but then all of a sudden now we are the number one prime victims of this illness which of course was ironic is that black Americans are only 30% of the population, but we are over half of the cases currently with this, with this um, virus. Now, a lot of studies want to say that the virus focus on individuals, elderly. It focus on people that have some type of deficiency some type of illness already. And one of the things that they're saying that makes African-Americans, I guess, prime choice of this virus is we are subject to have diabetes, hypertension, allergies. So all of this plays a factor in us being more susceptible of Attracting this virus into our system The thing is I know we were talking about the surgeon general who is african-american And I guess in his infinite wisdom. He was basically trying to Say how It affects us, but I guess he was speak on our behalf by trying to I guess trying to sound hip or use what i quote black language using things like some of the issues that black people are having because we are taking care of big mama and pop pop and things like this and i'm like for real this and you know I never understood and I guess you know I, I'm getting ready to go off into another tangent but I never understood why people felt that they have to pander to the African American community by talking with some type of language that they feel we only understand when it's some type of I guess Ebonic sounding terms you know, I I can remember when Tavis Smiley came up to my alma mater, Kennesaw State, and they were talking about the Bill Clinton scandal, and he, you know, was saying things like the president got jiggy with it. I'm like, for real? That's how you're going to talk at a university? You know, or... When Toni Morrison, you know, may she rest in peace, when she refers to Bill Clinton as the first black president simply because he had this so-called hipness about him and played the saxophone on the Arsenio Hall show, you know, even like, you know, the recent passing of Earl Graves, the... um founder of black enterprise magazine i just always felt that the magazine it's a great magazine but i think a lot of the articles kind of downplay business solutions for black people it was almost like he was saying these are business ideals for african-americans And I never understood that concept, or even like, you know, um, Black Enterprise used to have a a issue that came out every year, was like titled, the top colleges for black students. And I never understood that concept. I mean, I guess they were focusing on maybe the ratio of black faculty and staff at certain universities with the ratio compared to, I guess, for every one student, there would be a number of f- staff for that student. But I don't know, I just always had the mindset the black the best black college for black students was the best college, period. You know, it's, you're not really going to college to learn about your blackness. That's something that you're supposed to get at home. But um you know I don't know. Um I'm off on a off on another tangent. Let's talk about this subject in regards to why is the White House pushing for a May 1st reopening of the government? For some reason our commander in chief is constantly saying cuz of course this is the second time he's given a date. Remember the first time was Easter. And of course everybody kind of went in an uproar about that but either way now he's pushing May 1st but what people fail to realize is what is the purpose for pushing for a May 1st opening and what people don't understand despite the fact is no doubt people want to work I am a fortunate person because of what i do for my career i still am required to go out and work i you know basically i've been deemed an essential worker however we have to understand that the united states is a consumer country it goes hand in hand people work people spend if one don't do the other the other end of that it don't prosper we could we more likely we are going to go into some type of recession. It's inevitable. However, having this country push for this country to be reopened at a certain date, it it, it brings back memories of when the Super Bowl was here in Atlanta and there was the um government shutdown. And I kept telling people the government shutdown is not gonna last. Because at that time, you had a Super Bowl between the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams, and the only way that they're going to convey to, or excuse me, converse to Atlanta, is pretty much through the airports. The airports are run by government employees, TSA. There was no way that they were going to allow for that shutdown to continue. So it's the same situation. Those in power, those individuals that, I guess, are high donators to the President of the United States, they're basically telling him, hey, you got to do something. You got to open this thing back up. Now, of course, you got the arguments with the President of the United States and the governors of the states of the United States, you know, pretty much saying who can do what, which, of course, if you look at the Constitution, states have sovereignty. President of the United States cannot rule over the states in, of this of this country. But I mean, I guess Trump and his people have not read this information yet. But it's just, you know, it, it's amazing how blatant this administration focus so much on business and corporation than they do over the individual people in this country. Last but not least, I want to address the post-pandemic workplace. It, It goes without saying that this is going to make a lasting in fact a forever lasting impact on the people of this country or people of this world but the whole concept of how work will be done from this point is like the whole social distancing. Though it won't be. Emphasized. After this is over. But you know you're gonna. You're gonna see people. You, you're you gonna see less. Contact. You're gonna see less. Embracing unless you know people just absolutely. Know each other. It makes you wonder how things like how people are going to interact when meeting each other for the first time is, you know, you had social, social, I guess, the dating um, sites, you know, how how is that going to work? You know, going to a club and dancing with a stranger, you know, it was nothing to be at a club and just You know, if you had that type of charm or whatever, you ask a woman, total strange woman, hey, can I get this dance with you? And if the music slowed down, your dancing slowed down and you got closer. And I mean, it was nothing. You dance with that person. If, you know, you might get a phone number, you may not, but either way, how is things like that going to impact? People just walking up to an individual and just talking to them, but even how things at work are going to be. Again, I'm a contractor, so pretty much I'm not in an office environment, so I don't have the restrictions of being behind four walls, constant contact with individuals, co-workers. But, you know, just a lot of things, you know, touching, touching surfaces at work, you know, like a door handle or how many people can get on an elevator? Most times you see the elevator might say like 1,200 or 1,500 pounds capacity. But now it's like getting on an elevator when everybody's crammed in there. It's just, you know, or. Even like in an office environment, are they gonna like limit the space? And if you limit the space, there's not gonna be a need for large office spaces. So, the brick and mortar office environment, the buildings, you know, what's gonna happen with all of this? It's just interesting to see how the aftermath of this, this epidemic is going to affect everybody, you know, working from home, that's going to be, that's, that's going to be a whole new concept. And there are some people that just, they, they just don't have that ability. They don't have that mindset to do these things. Some people just, they refuse to adjust to, adjust to things like this. As a clinician, You know, they're allowing for us to have interventions, have sessions with our clients, you know, via Skype or Zoom or um, face-to-face or FaceTime. But what if you don't have a client that don't have a cell phone or you got a client that's still, you know, they rocking that flip phone and even the clinicians, some of them, they are not updated with the latest technology it's just amazing you know the changes that you're going to have to be forced to utilize to keep moving forward with your livelihood again would love to hear your opinions love to hear your ideas um the issues that i talked about today would love to you know see your list of companies that are thriving. We'd love to see a list of companies that are faltering or new companies that possibly can come about in the post-pandemic workplace. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I am your host Osaze Shabazz. And this, is a, this has been another episode of There's a System to This Madness.